It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Riley and Robbie Hyde. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? How you doing? We're a little early on my channel. I'm a night owl usually, but uh, we got to have a morning show once in a while with some coffee. And oh, look, Rod Bradford is here. Rob, how you doing, my friend? Welcome. Yeah, to the I show. don't drink coffee. There you go. Five hour energy. <laughs> mm, I have a story about one of those. When I, I used to work at a grocery store, got like two hours of sleep from studying. I chugged like three of those. Oh, I was going to have to go to the hospital. And yeah, uh, that's so. not that's not good. That's no. That was, I, it's, for me, it's like a brandy. For me, it's like a, it's like a brandy. It's a sipping drink. So yeah, <laughs> fifteen well, hours. That's what you needed, Robbie. You needed fifteen hours of energy. You know, I didn't do the math in my head. I just thought, you know, let me just down three of these things, man. And uh, you know, no, that was that was terrible. I, okay. I thought I was gonna have a heart attack. It was it was a scary day. So, um, but we have a good show for today. Uh, a lot to talk about. Um, well, not a whole lot going on this offseason, but we did have a couple of signings last night. Uh, James Paxton, Aroldis Chapman, my goodness, going to the Pirates. What is up mm-hmm. with that? Uh, but it's been a slow offseason. We're going to kind of dive into that with Rob. Uh, we're going to talk our Red Sox as well. I mean, my goodness, I, I have to talk about my Red Sox here on my channel. Um, but Rob, before we actually really get into everything, tell us about your podcast, the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast. How did that all come together? You know, just give us an idea about it. What's going on there? Yeah, first of all, it's awesome being here with you guys. I appreciate everything that you do. You guys do such an awesome job. And and um, yeah, I mean, I I the the story of baseballs and boring is 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 a little bit stranger than I think that just like hey we have a good name for a podcast and let's do it in January 2022 uh, Joe Kelly who I'd covered way back you know and kept in touch with we always said hey you know it'd be cool to do a book on just baseball being not boring really and at that time there was the lockout and so we're like well here's the idea for the book that we'll talk to Joe's famous friends about their love of baseball. We'll talk to Joe about like his view of baseball. And when we started it with the publishing world, it's like, what do you mean? Joe Kelly's not on social media. How dare he? How can he not be on social media? All right, well, let's, let's, let's start the whole, let's reverse engineer it. So this, we started baseballs and boring at BB isn't boring. We had T-shirts made up, baseballs and boring. Joe wrote an op- op-ed uh, right before the lockout ended for the LA Times, basically saying that baseballs and boring. And so we had all these baseballs and boring things, and there was really no reason other than we were trying to get a book deal. And then so we get the book deal, but then we still like, oh well, people like this. Another the the Red Sox wore their baseballs and boring t-shirts all over spring training. I think Kike Hernandez wore it every single day. Yep. Um, we saw that there was a lot of meat on the bone, but again, there was no really rhyme or reason to it. I would give, have people pose with t-shirts throughout the year and I, they liked the message and, and they liked the whole thing. And so I think ultimately we knew that there was probably going to be a podcast down the road. Um, so when that season ended, uh, I said to Odyssey, I've been working at WEI since 2008 and overseeing the website and covering the Red Sox. I said, listen, I'll cover the Red Sox. That's cool. I'll do whatever you need, radio, written, whatever. But let me just, uh, other than that, let me just focus. Let me give you a daily national podcast. And we already have all of this built in. Baseball's and boring. And we so we started it sort of like the Joe being the godfather of it comes on once in a while. But it really, we've been doing it daily, and you know, I don't really have a co-host. And as your producer Evan, who also produces it for us, knows, you know, we every day we usually have a guest on, and which is a daunting thing, right? I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard to have. It's I I don't think anyone cares that want to hear me talk. I mean, I so I always try to have a guest on, and because of the the message because of what we've done and then you know because of free t-shirts which most importantly by the way they'll they'll make your triceps look better than ever um that's why i ordered one i'm looking to do anything i can over here Rob. oh listen i'll give them to you don't order anymore i'll give them to you and by the way next level we have japanese baseballs and boring i'm in in and of course dodger colors which 
will be sent to the Dodgers for obvious reasons. So we're excited about that. So anyway, we started the podcast uh, in basically about November and beginning of November last year, 2023. So we've been going over a year now. And and uh, you guys, like you guys know, podcasts are fun. Podcasts are great, but it's a lot of work. It's, you know, the, the pot, and I don't know if you guys agree, but to me, like, this is, the podcast is the easy part, right? Yeah. This is, this is the easy part. Mm-hmm. Everything else is the hard part. And, uh, but yeah, so I, I, it's a long winded way of, of the baseballs and boring story. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been really fun to listen to. I mm-hmm. really loved the, the Craig Breslow interview the other day. That's, uh, I, I really want to see more of that in baseball where you just you know have these guys come on like Haim I feel like was really good yeah about can that. I tell you can I tell you that so that's a good one I, I'm glad you brought that one up because we did Haim I did a podcast with Haim Haim Bloom it was toward the end of the 2022 season and I don't think he had done a podcast before so mm-hmm. we sat in the broadcast booth in an hour I think it went an hour and he finished and he understood. He's like, I really like that. I really like that. And then he ended up doing other podcasts. I did podcasts with him. And he really understood that it was the best way to get, not not to get his message out in sort of a, a propaganda way, but mm-hmm. to articulate himself, to have a conversation. Okay, why didn't you sign Mookie Betts? What, you know, this is a reason? Oh, well, let me ask. I have a problem with that. Okay, let me explain it. So the back and forth of a podcast, uh, I think for executives, is more valuable than a lot of the even know. And and with the Breslow one, I've had Breslow on a, a bunch of podcasts in years past as a player and everything else. But this is different. He's gone into hiding a little bit. Uh, you know, his time is is he's drinking from a fire hose since he had been had been hired, and and so finally we get this podcast. But it was really. I look forward to doing more with him because yeah. this was a half hour and I never want to put time limits on things if I have to. Mm-hmm. And because I, and I said at the end of the podcast, it felt like Will Ferrell in old school where you just sort of black out at the end of the <laughs> the debate. You're just, yeah. you know, you guys, you guys know, like you have to, especially with that, you have to get to certain questions because if you don't ask those questions, People are going to crap all over you. Whereas I want to talk about something nonsensical and then get to those questions. So anyway, yeah, I, I love doing the podcast. I love that was an example of it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's been a pleasure to listen to. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm for as a Red Sox fan looking uh, very forward to seeing more of Craig Breslow in there. I, I like hearing the, their their minds about things because us as fans we look at things a little differently than say people in the front office. So it's a, it's almost like a breath of fresh air in a way, kind of just hearing their thoughts. Um, but let's get into the show here. Uh, obviously you, your podcast is called baseball isn't boring, but this uh, off season has, in my opinion, it's been a little bored. You know, Rob, what are you thinking, man? What, what's going on with this off yeah, season? You still got like, feels like 800 free agents on the market, top guys, you know, what are your, just your overall thoughts on yeah, it sucks. Mr. It, it sucks. It's, it's it's not good for baseball. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's let's go back to the lockout. I mean, that was awesome. Not the lockout, but yeah, there was after. a deadline. Mm-hmm. There was a dead there was a deadline on you know December first. Deals had to get done. If you don't get it done, you don't know when it was going to get done. And then when they come back, the deadline was the season, so everybody knew yeah. that there was going to be the flurry of whoever was left. And I and obviously we would all love to have I think any deadline like NBA NFL we would love to have this, but it's you know the players association it's like with a lot of things in baseball it's a lot more complicated than all these other sports. All I know is this is that it wasn't too long ago where you had everything was done pretty much by Christmas and then you understood like for instance. As we're taping this, the Hall of Fame is tonight. Yep. Like the hall, it went from you have the offseason, you get the deals done, and then what dominates the baseball conversation for the first few weeks of January is Hall of Fame stuff. And really, I feel like 
the Hall of Fame conversations have been slighted because we've been distracted by this other stuff, by waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And yeah, so to come back to it, it kind of sucks because as much as people say, well, it extends the conversation throughout the offseason, well, sort of, it kind of also makes you just exhausted about waiting. I I don't know if you guys feel that way, but I'm exhausted. Uh, exhausted yeah. about waiting what do you think i have i have an idea because we, we we do have deadlines right we have deadlines for arbitration we have deadlines for 40-man rosters we have all the like what if we placed a january 10th deadline to have your 40-man set for opening day and yeah, anybody what? you added after that you they cannot be they, they cannot be on your roster on opening day i mean Something that because I, I don't think you can make it financial. You know, you can't give anybody um, luxury tax breaks uh, for deals done before a certain date because then everybody starts to manipulate the system. But if you had a deadline to when you, you had and again, you'd have to figure out the semantics, but some kind of deadline that said if you want to your opening day roster, if you want to have a player uh, on this free age, all free agent players, all available players need to be on a 40-man roster by January 10th. Otherwise, they cannot be on your opening day roster. I don't know. I mean, I'm grasping at straws, yeah, something, well, because, yeah, you're right. The de- When we came out of that lockout, when, when we led up to the lockout, it was a flurry. And then when we came back, it was a flurry. And something to create that sort of, um, that, 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 the inspiration to, yeah, to get these guys I, to do something I, I, is what, what, totally what would be great. You. I yeah. I applaud the creativity. Um, it'll never happen, but I applaud the creativity. I like you personally. I respect your opinion. This is the old radio. Like this is the radio caller. Hey, yeah. I, I respect your opinion. I really like you, but no, but yeah. in sincer- all sincerity, I, I like that idea. I like the idea. I like the creativity, but it just, it won't happen. And, and to go come back to the other great thing about that situation with the lockout was not only did you have the deadline, but you knew that nothing could happen. And and mm-hmm. I, this is a selfish thing, right? Mm-hmm. This is, I had to literally strap myself into a harness to zip line over a jungle in Honduras while the Chris Sale trade was going on in order not to tweet about it. Yeah. Like, so it's like, you're, everybody who is in this industry is ingrained to talk about anything. So we wake up every day and we are hoping something happens. If nothing happens, then maybe the littlest thing happened. And so mm-hmm. it's to come back to it. It's exhausting. So yeah. we didn't, during the lockout, we knew nothing was going to happen. It was awesome. It was great. And then, and then we had the flurry of stuff. So to your point, like, I, I think I like that idea. I like any ideas like that because we do, we do need that inspiration. We do need that certainty. We do need that, that motivation, that buzz. Mm. It's, it's, let's, guys, think about what the pitch clock did. What did it do? It oh, yeah. added, and I think that uh, we had, I was on a, on the radio one day and we had, I think it was on Carl Ra- Ravitch and we talking about, this is a few years ago about baseball. He said, the word he said was so perfect urgency. We need more urgency. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what the pitch clock did, right? It yep. gave more urgency to the game. Not saying we have to carve out this many minutes, but it had the more urgency is good. Puts yep. everybody on the corner of their seat. Everything seems impossible until it happens. If yep. you had said five years ago that there would be a pitch clock or the bases would be bigger or you wouldn't be able to throw over to pick somebody off, every single person or, watching this live stream right now was, would say we're crazy or, or someone would get a 700 million dollar contract yeah. and be making 2 million dollars for the next 10 years yes that's how that's how this thing works or that James Paxton was going to be a dodger if i said that a week ago you would have said i have the worst takes on the platform <laughs> let's get into that actually let's yeah. talk about this um we did have two deals yesterday we have James Paxton going to the Dodgers. We have a role as Chapman going to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Great deal for the Pirates because now who will be one of the most coveted arms at the trade deadline? It'll be a role as Chapman. So great deal for Pittsburgh there. And for the Dodgers, this James Paxton situation is, is fascinating to me because there have been so many rumors about Lazardo. 
there had been, in my opinion, a strong belief that Kershaw would find his way back to the Dodgers. Um, now that's maybe a little clouded. There's there's a little uncertainty there with the situation, how this rotation is coming into shape. Your thoughts, your reaction to seeing Paxton end up with the Dodgers and Chapman to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'll start with Chapman. Chapman, <laughs> it's a great move by the Pirates because, as you said, it's it's okay. Just know the name Cole Reagans, right? The mm-hmm. guy, the guy that the Royals got for Chapman from the Rangers, guy's going to be a stud. Already is kind of a stud, like for them, starting pitcher. So that not why the Pirates, if the Pirates make a run, like for a while, it looks like they actually weren't going to be sellers. But then they fell off a cliff a little bit. Hey, if they make a run, great. But anytime you get a one-year contract on a guy like that, it's awesome. It's 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 great in so many ways. So. <laughs> Good job by them and convincing him to go there too. Um, because you know, a lot of guys that have been that veteran of guy, they'll be like, I wanna, I want some certainty they're gonna win. Well, okay, I, there's no certainty in Pittsburgh. But with Paxton, you know, when I, I I'm a James Paxton guy. I think he's a great guy, he's a good guy in the clubhouse. And I can go through having watched his year last year, I can go through that and say, all right. I see how this evolves into a better pitcher for whatever team he lands with, because it was his, obviously he's coming off all the, the injury problems before this is the first time he's, he's going to pitch a regular season in a long, long time. Uh, it wasn't his arm. It gave out. It was his legs. that gave out starting by the way, his first outing in spring training. Um, so and then you had the knee later on. So if he's able to take care of that better, and understand that better. And yeah, yeah, he looks a little bit older than he is. Uh, I think he was, he's 34. But if he's able to take care of that and you don't have the pressure, obviously Dodgers, they have enough talent, they can take the pressure off of him. I like that signing a lot for him. And, and you know, again, I know the Red Sox had interest in him, but I just, you know, about an hour or so ago, just texting someone and it was, you know, they're clear with the priority for Paxton. Now, I, I didn't definitively get, hey, Paxton was offered more money from the Red Sox or other teams, which I wouldn't doubt it because, again, this was a one-year deal. What was it, $10 million? 12. Something like that? One-year, $10 million? Yeah, 12, 12 million. 12 million, yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of thought he would end up with a two-year deal, but he wanted to stay on the West Coast. That's what he wanted to do. And – and a lot of people say, oh, well, they just said, no, like a guy like James Paxton, I believe, I believe that. Remember, like he turned down the opportunity to make a lot more money last year by staying with the Red Sox. I think he only made like $4 million last year. So understand like when you hear something like that for a guy like James Paxton, that's the reality of it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll jump into that. Um, you know, for James, yeah, I, I think, Yes, it made a lot of sense for the Red Sox to bring him back, especially if it's a one-year deal. It fits that time frame of what they're looking for. Doesn't seem like they really want to go a whole lot of years for guys. So yeah, it made a lot of sense to bring him back. And it's and to me, when a guy hasn't really pitched in a couple of years, right? All these injuries, it, it takes time for them to ramp up. You know, and, and we, I feel like we've been hearing that more over the last couple of years when these guys don't have normal off seasons, normal spring trainings. It, it never seems to be a, a good recipe uh, when it, you know, when you're starting in the season. So I think with Paxton, I think he is going to have a good year next year. If everything stays together, if he's good to go, I think it'll be a good pickup for the Dodgers. And, and look what they did with a uh, former Red Sox legend, Ryan oh, Brazier. But I that mean, was another, that's an, I'm glad you brought that up. It's another yeah. part of this equation, which we can't discount, which is, you know, now you have these teams where players are prioritizing because they say, I saw what you did with this guy and and, and I, you're going to find the best version. And believe me, knowing going through it, the, the Dodgers know this. The Dodgers from the Dodgers have a great sales pitch, a great sales pitch. I'll go back to to after 2018 when Joe Kelly was in the market. I remember him telling me, he said, the, the stuff that the Dodgers were telling him, that Andrew Friedman was telling him, was unlike any other thing. That they really lay out the plan. And I know other teams do it as well. 
But when you can lay out your plan and then have something like you said, the Brazier scenario as a backup to it, as saying this happened, Tampa Bay can do the same thing, you know, obviously, but they don't have the money to, to match these things. But when you have that, like that goes a long way with a guy like Paxton too. Has uh has Joe ever brought up any like specifics of what the Dodgers have really brought to the table when it comes to laying out a plan for a free agent? Like like is there anything specific um, or any specifics? That- yeah, it's it's like in that case, it was we saw what you did at the end of the 2018 season. So you remember, like Joe is almost not on the postseason roster. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, like Cora was talking about that this year, about how he actually had to like stump for him because he threw mm-hmm. hard and they wanted velocity in the bullpen, mm-hmm. but he didn't end up well, and and they started prioritizing his curveball a lot more. So mm-hmm. the Dodgers, when they met with him, said, "We saw what you did, and we think you can lean into that even more." And the Dodgers—it's no secret—the Dodgers' way of thinking. A lot is we are going to take your best pitch and we are going to have you throw it more. That's it. Like, let's not fiddle around with four pitches. This is your best pitch. You're throwing it 40% of the time. We want you to throw it 50% of the time, 60% of the time. Yeah, and that's what Andrew Bailey is looking to do now. That seems to be – It's the same idea. It's the same idea. And and Tampa, it's the same thing. Tampa is, you know, obviously, you know, they have – Look at uh, Robert Stevenson. Oh, my goodness. Like, good for him. You know, he went from Pittsburgh getting traded with a you know, for nothing for, you know, with a five ERA and all of a sudden now getting a three-year, $30 million contract. But you have him, Diekman, turn himself around. And the whole thing with them is pick your pitch. And I remember Cash saying this to me last season, said, watch where our catcher set up. Is it with the exception of a few guys, watch where our catcher set up right down the middle. First Mm -hmm. pitch, right down the middle. Best pitch down the middle. That's it. And Mm -hmm. it's very simple, but you 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 said it. The Giants did it, the Dodgers do it, the Rays are doing it. If this has become more and more of a more of a thing. Take your best pitch, prioritize it, make it the best that you can. Well, it seems to be a good return on investment kind of a plan instead of just trying to switch things up instead of trying to mold him your way just take advantage of their strengths that yeah. it seems like that's what these teams are going for when it just comes to getting the most return on investment instead of wasting time just trying to create something that might not even happen use something that you know will happen right well, so yeah i mean it's it's the more you think about it the simpler it is right and and, and let's be this also be clear that you know when Joe went to the White Sox, you know it was he's you know like you went from the the highest level of technology to you know one camera, you know so and 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 now Brian Bannister's with the White Sox, so I think you'll see a lot of that stuff amp up. But it was it's really simple. I mean, it's just why are you fooling around with stuff that like. That if if you have a pitch, if you have a a one of the best pitches in baseball, why are you throwing one of the worst pitches in baseball? <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Yeah, and I think just the game is growing, right? You know, people. I think for a long time, like oh curveball that's an amazing curveball you have but let, let's throw that with two strikes where you're seeing a lot of guys now they're they're mixing in you know throwing it for strike one or throwing it in different counts so it's uh the, the game is rapidly changing do you notice that just among major league baseball just all over the place and have players talked about that with you yeah and you know it, it's look just look at the stuff and you know we hear we, we see on social media in the off season oh this guy is look at Look at this guy sweeper. This guy, this is one of our favorite things about what pitch that so and so is developing. And you know, I love we had Dylan Cease on, and he said, you know, I've been working with. I think it was I forget what it was. Always oh, a split finger, a Gosman split finger. That's what he was working on. And it's like I've been fiddling with it. All right, well, everyone gets excited about that. That so it's something we can talk about for spring training for four weeks. But the the biggest change now is that you have all this technology to when they do do a new pitch, 
Now it's, wow, look at the measurables for that. That's the favorite word. Look at the measurables for that. Where I just talked to, um, we just had uh, this interview to the farm director for the Red Sox, Brian Abraham, who used to be the bullpen catcher for the Red Sox. Hmm. And and I said, you know, what was it like to catch Koji, Koji Urahara? And he's like, yeah, we we would see his fastball, and we were like, why are hitters so late swinging at him? Well, obviously, like that was the kind of the beginning of spin rate and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Now we would have every answer down to a to a T. And, and so, yeah, I mean, so I think it, a lot of and also there's been an acceptance from a lot of pitchers of looking for that information and not being overwhelmed. The guys, the biggest challenge in baseball right now is the delivering of this these messages It's the biggest challenge in baseball and teams are that that's the hard part they have the information but they have to humanize it so that these players who aren't going to mit understand it that is one of the biggest challenges in baseball yeah oh yeah and uh, you know being a a former teacher that was that's right there exactly what fit into my former job right like i know how to add two plus two but how do i have a seven-year-old understand that Right. Yeah. Like, so it's really very similar, except just in a different setting. Getting back to James Paxton, Jim, I want to ask you this. Um, you know, what are you thinking with the Dodgers rotation? Are you thinking the Dodgers are maybe leaning into a possible trade? Or, or do you think they're looking more at like a six man rotation? Where, where are you leaning on that, Jim? I thought about. Well, when you think about how many innings Bobby Miller and Emmett Sheehan threw last year and Emmett Sheehan, his innings from, uh, you know, 22 to 23 quadrupled. So they're probably looking at it from a standpoint of we can't have these guys shoulder the load of a full season. So we need to keep an eye, especially on Sheehan. So it it appears, if you ask me, that Sheehan now is – going to maybe be on an innings count maybe put him in the bullpen maybe you i I don't know how they're going to work it out because with paxton uh miller is it's miller paxton right glass now yamamoto um and and bueller so this rotation is coming together and on top of that you have dustin may working his way back you've got five uh prospects in the in the Dodgers top 10 that are ready to pitch in the major league so a trade does feel like it could be something that is in the in the in the near future Rob I'd love to get your take on that too because you could now take maybe Dustin May is in a trade package you could take May you could take one of your pitching prospects and you need to include a bat and you work out a deal for Emmanuel Classe. Can you work out a deal for Tanner Scott? That was another name that had been uh, thrown about along with the Jesus Lazardo deal, but can't think that this keeps that uh, in 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 play. So, I mean, Rob, do you think the Dodgers, now that their rotation is six strong, when May is back, it's seven strong, and Kershaw looming as a potential fit in the summertime, they're maybe going to take – some of the you know, uh, Dustin May, another prospect, and a bat, and and maybe package oh, yeah. it. Where All do you, these AAA guys too. Where it's do you see like, it going? Goodness. Yeah, I, I I mean I think that you're absolutely right. I think that the last piece of this whole Dodgers equation is is getting another arm in the bullpen. Yeah, you know a, a perceived closer. Yeah. Uh, Evan Phillips is a good, really good pitcher, friend mm-hmm. of the program. Uh, I love talking to him. Um, but it, it it's but if if you go this all in as the Dodgers have. You do not want to be caught short at any, certainly at the end of the, these games. Yep. And, and so, like you said, they have plenty of assets and resources to get the, the closer. Um, and, and, and by the way, guys, like the whole closer thing, I, I, I cringe when people say, oh, you don't, you don't necessarily need a defined guy in the ninth inning. Oh, I hate that. I hate it. Hate it. I hate it because it's not true. It's just not true. I mean, it's when like, we got folk, it was like well, everything yeah, changed. And, and, and there's been plenty of examples where yeah, what you need is you need multiple guys who can pitch yeah. the ninth inning. 
And and that means like that's not but you need a guy multiple when I say multiple guys that can pitch the ninth inning, I mean guys that you know can handle the ninth inning. Like right. know who you can like that can absolutely handle the ninth inning. I'm not talking about good relief pitchers who can fit who can physically pitch in the ninth inning. No. The the ninth inning is different. It it, it just is different. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it so many times. And to have the certainty of that thing, especially now the way that baseball is, where starters are going so short, right? So let's say you have good pitchers. Uh, let's say you have three really good relievers. Um, and you're like, okay, well, we're going to pitch them in the eight, seven, eighth, and ninth, but they're really good. They haven't closed. But the way that starters are going, they're so short, you need to stretch out your bullpen so far out, you need more good relievers. And yeah. by the way, then you need the guy who you know can pitch at the, in the ninth inning, absolutely pitch in the ninth inning. So it, this idea of, of oh, we, you know, this guy has shown ability so he can pitch in the ninth, it's just different. I, I always remember a guy who, you know, who's in the news, Billy Wagner, when, when he was brought to the Red Sox and he went, he was pitching the eighth inning, he's like, and he's this guy is as honest as honest can be. He said, I can tell you it's different. It's just different. Mm-hmm. The ninth inning, it's everything's different. The batters approach things different. The pitchers approach things different. Everything's different. And I've just seen it so many times. And we we and you know what happens? We always see it in the postseason, don't we? We like we do. The yeah. Rangers were very fortunate to land where they did with the Leclerc and, and those guys, or really Leclerc. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have that guy, like look at what the Phillies had. Like you I always saw it, like Kimbrell, playoff Kimbrell, that came back to haunt him. But they you better have the right guys at the ninth inning. No, I mean, even just going back, you know, 2003, I mean, if you have a closer on that Red Sox team, they win that whole thing. Like it's well, I think honestly, I think Keith Folk, so excuse my Red Sox bias here, but I think honestly, Keith Folk is a very underrated signing for that 04 team. Like, obviously, he was a big part of him. We all know that. I don't think people realize how big of a signing that was to have that guy at the end. And, you know, sure, 2018, Chris Sale was able to come in and lock it down. But I agree with you, man. I agree. Um, but, you know, going back, speaking of past history, if we're looking, just to finish up with the Dodgers here, if we're looking at this Dodgers offseason, Let's say they add, you know, someone for the closer spot. Mm-hmm. Rob, where where do you compare out of all your years that you have been in this game? Where do you rank this Dodgers offseason compared to all these other big offseasons that teams had, you know, like the 04 Yankees, you know, bringing in A-Rod, Sheffield, you know, the 09 Yankees with Teixeira, uh Sabathia, um the Rangers a couple of years ago. You know, wh- where do you rank this Dodgers offseason among all time? Well, it's a good question. How about last year or 2023 Padres, right? Yeah. This was, this was another one. This That was the uh, – it, it was the same feeling. Like, yeah. what aren't the Padres going to do? They're nothing. They're, 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 oh, someone's available, the Padres are going to get them. That's how it felt. Same thing with yeah. the Dodgers now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would, I would rank this – I think it's just you can't ignore – the Otani and Yamamoto thing. And I know that they've gotten other players, T. Oscar Hernandez and Paxton. We'll get other players as well. Oh, uh, I, I, my apologies. I'm contractually obligated to say also Joe Kelly, the Joe Kelly deal. One year. That's the best one. This, mm-hmm. There you go. I mean, there was, it was the high level negotiations of, uh, of making sure his wife got a Porsche. Um, so it, I think that the Otani and Yam to get the top two guys, and they were the top two guys. The top two guys to get them. That I don't know if we've had anything like that before. And and also when the top guy is seven hundred million, because because let's be honest, when if you said that a team was going to sign someone for seven hundred million dollars, you're like, well, they're done, and that's yeah. okay with everybody. Yeah. Well, no, they weren't. And so yeah, so I would I. To answer your question, I mean, I would put it at the top. I've never seen anything like this. Thinking about these other names that are out there, you know, when we go back to the Montgomery, the Snell, the Bellinger, do you see anybody going to spring training? Do you see anything happening 
soon. It it feels like it's all circling around one or two teams, which is terrible for them as they're trying to build a market and actually get paid. Um, when do you think we see some movement with specifically those three big names? Yeah, I it's good. We we I think if we go back a month, we said, oh well, soon uh, this yeah. the Yamamoto thing, the Otani thing is going to break the dam. The Yamamoto right. thing is going to break the dam. The Imanaga thing is going to break the dam. So, um, yeah, and, and it hasn't. But you know, what's the common theme? They're Boris guys. You yeah. have, you you have you have one agent who is really controlling the market here, um, and so. I think that you know when we talk about breaking the dam, like it's going to come down to when Boris agrees starts agreeing to deals. Mm-hmm. So and and he's shown the propensity not to be adverse to waiting. Uh, you'll go back to I mean, there's plenty of examples, but the one that jumps to mind is JD Martinez. He signed his five year deals with the Red Sox. I mean, that was that was really I think it was it might have been a little into spring training, yeah. Um, yeah. but it. But, you know, at the same time, the players want to – there is an element of and, – and you talk about those big guys. There, there's been nothing like this where so many other guys aren't yeah. signed. Yeah. And there, there is going to be a tipping point where guys – a lot of guys say, listen, agent, I got to know. I just want to know. I want to get going. I have to mm-hmm. get my spring training housing. I have to do this. I have to get all this. And so to answer your question – what do we have? We have like three weeks, three weeks, pretty much mm-hmm. till spring training. Till pitchers so, and catchers. Yeah, yeah, pitchers and catchers. So, you know, so it, it's it's not long now. It just can't be. It just can't right. be. And there might be a few guys who who carry over, but it. I'm telling you, the players aren't wired that way. The players want to get stuff done. They want to know who where they are. Um, and and so, where we talk about that deadline at the beginning. This is as close to a deadline as we're going to have. So yeah. it's, yeah, I guess we're going to going to have to uh, to rely on that. Yeah, I think I feel like at some point, Boris, you know, when he decides it's time, it'll all happen quickly. Last year, he set the deadline. He set a deadline of the winter meetings and he was going to have his deals done and he got his deals done. So he could move and get something done. I am interested to see how these play out. You know, do does Snell get two hundred million? Does Bellinger get two hundred million? Does Montgomery end up with a long term deal or a short term deal? These these are fascinating, and then how it impacts some of these other players. I wonder if the RSZ thing has to be real, right? That's preventing teams from doing certain moves and 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 adding teams into markets for some of these players because you. Uh, you you just take a financial uncertainty and throw it into the equation, and then all of a sudden teams are going to maybe pass on certain deals. Uh, do do you see? Here's this is a question not specifically for these three. Um, Teoscar Hernandez was sort of a surprise one year deal uh, a few weeks back. I started to hypothesize the idea that maybe there would be some players that surprise us with one year deals because of the financial uncertainty of this off season. Do you see anybody else? that maybe we would expect a multi-year deal, not any of these three, because they're all going to get multi-year deals. But anybody else that maybe comes to mind that's like, you know, I thought Jorge Soler would take a three-year deal. But with the financials, maybe he takes a one-year deal somewhere and signs the Teoscar Hernandez contract. You see anybody else following in Teoscar's footsteps? Yeah, I I absolutely do. I I think that you have to look at it. So are the guys, are the big name guys, like the Montgomerys and the Snells and those guys, are they going to do no? Because you you always factor in where the contract lands them, and they don't want to. This is their opportunity to get the biggest and best deal. Yeah. Once you, especially as a pitcher, once you start creeping into your thirties, like the 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 years come off the deals, mm-hmm. and the narratives don't go in your favor. Right. But but yeah, I think that especially when you have a guy like Soler who sort of revitalized himself a little bit, especially a guy who, you know, these guys who finished the, the season strong and they want, they, they feel good about themselves and they're going to be, Hey, I'm going to carry that over and I'm going to prove myself guys that maybe nest, you know, nested were entered last year as, as higher profile guys. Right. Um, 
a guy like I'll give you the for instance as a pitcher, a guy like Mike Clevenger. Okay, and I know that yep. there's the baggage of what happened to him uh, last year, but the guy in the second half, off of you know the injuries and Tommy John and everything else, uh, it took him a while to to find his groove, and then he was really really good in the second half. Mm-hmm. And and so that's the that's the type of deal where. You can you convince teams? Give me a three or four year contract off of that. Probably not, but can you convince a team to give you a decent deal on a one year deal on the, you know what Boris calls a pillow contract? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that's and that's the way. And Solaire might be one of those guys. And I, I there's probably some other guys like that too. Mm-hmm. With uh with Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery. Now, now there has been some whispers out there of Blake Snell, maybe even being open to a short-term deal where I think he's going to end up getting something in that five, six-year range. But, you know, we saw with the Yankees, there was that, I think, I believe it was a six-year 150. And if if it gets to the point where he's not getting the right amount, do you think there is a chance that maybe he accepts a short deal? Kind of like what Bauer did a few years ago, that three-year 102, where do you think, because there, there was also something too where, Snell is either looking for the longer deal or even just more AAV. Do you think that could open up the possibility where maybe he does like a, a three year 100 with some kind of an opt out in it? Yeah. I mean, well, the opt outs, the most important part of that equation. Right. And because if you're good and you get the opt out, then you're good. So uh, as I said, the, the, I think that that's obviously not their preference. And I forget how old was Bauer when he signed his deal. 30, good- I believe. Yeah, so it's I mean it's a good analogy, um, but I think that it, it again you creep into your thirties and and with Snell too. Let's not forget the year he's coming off of. Uh, this is like how do you how do you come off a better year as a heading to free agency, and and if you can't maximize that, then yeah maybe you're able to, to get rid of that qualifying offer, which is another thing that will help him, um, but. But still, it's. I, I'll just say this. I know I'm sort of all over the place because you're making me think. But I, yeah. I, I, I'll stay with the whole idea about that. In you, as you get into your 30s as a pitcher, this is your chance. It's all about where mm-hmm. the contract lands, whether it's an opt out or the end of the deal. But Boris always gets his deals. He just does. I mean, it's yeah. for the big guys. For the big guys, he always gets his deals, and a lot of times they're creative. A lot of times they're they're formed in, in ways we never thought that would happen, and this is where the opt out things happen, right? So, but yeah, what? Put, so put it this way: whatever deal Blake Snell gets, it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be a one year prove it to me deal, no matter how much yeah. money that is. Yeah. Either way, I, I believe with Boris, no matter what the deal ends up being, it's going to be good for the client. At the end of the day, he has a yeah. proven track record. And, and and Boris, that's what makes him really good. It's not that he just gets them a lot of money. He, he gets the deals. He Every year he adjusts to the different circumstances and he gets the best possible deal, whether that's money or the structure of the deal. And uh, that's what makes him the best. Yeah. And you know can, what's, it, sorry, real, what's real quick is that what's also bizarre, I always found it bizarre, is that when you have the, when you're the agent for the two, two top guys, buying for the same money right so yeah but he's done this before a million times he'll do it again do you think the tv stuff is a big deal when it comes to these free agents i think for some teams it is i mean the texas situation is sort of weird um yeah so I, i think you can't ignore like we we all want all these teams just to spend the crap load of money like they always have and like you know, the Red Sox are an example of this. There's something going on, man. There's something going on with FSG, with the bottom line, whatever it is. But it wasn't that long ago where that big market team, if they wanted a player, they were going to get them. That was it. That's no longer the case. And I don't think it's because Craig Breslow isn't a competitive guy. No, I think it's because there are financial limitations that have landed as we now know you know now they're saying there's some financial limitations i think there's other teams like that as well uh but to answer your question yeah i mean i think something like that 
absolutely factors into some of these decisions. Yeah. And speaking of, I mean, what better segue? Let's talk about some Red Sox. <laughs> With the Red Sox right now, you know, the 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 two words, the two magical words this offseason were full throttle. Everyone just has been loving that that phrase all offseason. Tom Warner backed up on it, saying now it's more of a pulling the levers or pushing the lever, whatever he said. Uh, he said he maybe not the best way to word that. Um, you know, that's how he lives his life, and that's how he approaches every day. And so that's what he was thinking going into the offseason. Um then, you know, in the beginning of the offseason, it sounded like there weren't really going to be any really restrictions on the Red Sox. They were going to be going, going for guys. And here we are, winter weekend, which you were just that. Um, I'm very jealous, by the way. I really wanted to go. But uh, now we're hearing from Kennedy himself that we're probably looking at a lower payroll. Who knows what that exactly could be? Um I mean, we could, I feel like we could really go hours on this next topic, me and you, but what are you, what, what is going on here? What, what is happening with this Red Sox organization? Well, I think that start with the full throttle comment. I think it's before that like where people, the perception of them, what, where they dug themselves a hole when they fired Heim Bloom, the perception was that, all right, you know, the, the slow play ran out of time. Your way of doing things ran out of time. Apathy was creeping in. Dodgers fans were having parades down Lansdowne Street. Dollar tickets were being sold for Yankee series. Apathy was creeping in. Course correction, like the Red Sox ownership had always done. That's what it was. No matter who you hired, whether it was Craig Breslow, it doesn't matter. That it was, it was going to be different. Here we go. And then you have the full throttle comment, which is, you know, it only it only amplified things. So now you don't do anything. And then at some point, like I said before, that this this you you do not do all these things without some sort of adjustment along the way in terms of how much money you have to spend. You just don't. Like you you they know they're not dummies. They're no dummies. I mean, they have they know that. They, this is a business, this is a business model, and they have to push aside apathy. I do believe that that was one of the reasons why Heim was let go. So they know that. And now they've landed in a place where they know how to push that aside. Okay. They know how to, to, to get people's attentions. Mm-hmm. Sign Jordan Montgomery, sign Blake Snell, mm-hmm. sign, make a big trade, take on money, do what the Yankees are doing, you know, like go for it. They know that, but they're not doing it. And then the most disconcerting comment of all from Winter Weekend was the Tom Warner one, which is, you know, that we believe people are going to come for the Fenway experience. Now, that is the under, like, everybody knows that that's like their safety net, business-wise, right? That people come to Fenway because it's it's a tourist location. And college students go there. It's why, you know, it became Club Fenway. You were giving $9 seats to college kids. People pouring beer on their face. And and it was just, it was more about going than it was. Everyone knew that that was a safety net. But to say it, it was like, that was, that was the, they almost ran out of things to say. And finally, it was just like, it was, it was like, um, the movie you ever see the movie flight with denzel washington <laughs> jim yep. Yep. no yeah. i didn't yep. uh, anyway at the end he's he, he just lies and lies and lies and lies and he gets in front of this hearing and he just starts telling the truth and he says now he put in jail and he says i just it was like i re- i re- i hit my quota of lies i ran out i just hit my limit i couldn't lie anymore mm. i couldn't do it anymore and I don't. I'm not calling the Red Sox like liars. I'm not. I'm like, but I think they were the massaging things along the way. And then when that comment is made, all right, you know, you're honest. That's that's what you're relying on here. Um, it doesn't make anybody feel any good. Yeah. And uh, but all of that said, th- still three weeks to go. Let's see. Right. Yeah. And when you look back at past teams, you know, the championship teams, it was either 
you threaded in already an established group of free agents with younger guys like you did in 07 when those guys came up and they joined guys like Manny and Poppy in there. You know, 2013, you brought in a multitude of free agents, you know, and you had a good mix right there. And then 2018, obviously, you had that homegrown talent. You finished it off with guys like J.D. Martinez, Price a couple of years prior, Sale, of course. So, you know, it feels like where the Red Sox are going, It's and they've even pretty much said it, it's you got Meyer, you got Anthony, you got Teal coming up, and you already the younger guys there too, you know, Casas, uh, Bayo as well. Um, do you think it's going to be a couple of years before the Red Sox, maybe even next year, where maybe they look to make a splash? Yeah, I do. Because – I mean, Craig Breslow basically said that this yeah. is was, you know, the one, the most encouraging thing that he probably said was that their current approach isn't predictive of their future approach, yeah. which is in other words saying, we don't think it's worth spending the money now, but we, we, that doesn't mean we're not going to spend the money. Like the, mm. the Texas Rangers, you know, that, that year, Simeon and Seeger, they, there was a lot of reasons why they spend that money. They said, the reason we want to spend this money, we think our young players are ready, more ready. We we have this new ballpark, all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, so maybe that like in their eyes that they just see like, this is the time to do it on top. If we are going to say that they can extend themselves financially. Well, okay. It's not worth, getting that uncomfortable to do it in this year. Not to say that they don't think they have a decent team, but they just don't think this is the year to do it. And, you know, okay, that's not what people want to hear. And and that's not going to help business, but that's at least we have a sense of reality. Yeah. And when it comes to, you know, guys like Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell, you know, I've been personally told, that there is a mutual interest between Jordan Montgomery and the Red Sox. It is there, but the Red Sox just aren't willing to budge on the years. Do you think if there was a point where the Rangers, they really just can't put forth a a good enough offer because of the TV stuff and these other teams kind of just aren't really in a position of really wanting to add, you know, a five or six year deal. Do you think there could be a chance that, the Red Sox and Montgomery can somehow work things over because at the end of the day, the Red Sox, it feels like they could use something else over the next few years to help get them to that spot of these younger guys coming up. You know, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I'll, I think that nobody wants to hear it. And I've been saying this for the last few weeks, but there's time. This I want to, this isn't good for podcasts. It's not good for talk radio. It's not good for written word, whatever it is. Not good for social media. But wake me up when pitchers and catchers arrive. Like that's yeah. that's sort of how I feel. Because mm-hmm. I think that with, especially with Breslow, you know, we we don't know. We don't know. Like we yeah. we don't know if this is a guy who's playing the market right. We don't know that. We don't know if all of a sudden he's going to get really uncomfortable and trade for somebody. We have no idea. Like with Haim, we had an idea about enough of a sample size of sort of his modus operandi. But, you know, with Breslow, there is a little bit of like this wait and see. So to answer your question, I'll, I'll, I won't say, never say never. I mean, certainly. And, and maybe, you know what? Maybe they land at a better deal because – as much as everyone wants to blow everybody out of the water for free agents, if you get the best deal, if you can limit a guy like Jordan Montgomery to three years instead of six, then you win. Like yeah. you win because Jordan Montgomery is a good pitcher, but I wouldn't want to give him a six year deal. Yeah. 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 It, 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 there's a lot of sense to bring in someone like that where, you know, there's, there is a, l- a lack of stability in that rotation. And, um, one more question for you, Rob, and this is something I wonder if it could pick up steam where, you know, you brought up FSG, Fenway Sports Group, you know, you're talking about the bottom line and it feels something feel, doesn't feel right behind the scenes. And I'm not saying the Red Sox have to come out and they got to be, you know, dropping Steve Cohen kind of money. I don't think you need to do that. And 
you know, Tom Warner even said that the other day. We all know that, right? The highest payrolls don't win all the time. But do you feel like there is something maybe cooking behind the scenes where maybe if it, it could even lead, you know, to, you know, who knows, maybe who knows, a few years down the road, maybe even a sale of the of the Red Sox. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to sell the team, but I will say I don't think that they Sam Kennedy makes that comment the other day about the payroll without just getting to the point where this is the reality of, of our bottom line of where we're at. Um, it, it's, I, 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 there's something, I, I do think that something is, you know, maybe they just say, okay, it's time to do the books. Oh, by the way, you know, we really, we really got to change the way we approach things. Maybe it's just, we got to change the way we approach this for a year and then, then draw back. What's interesting is, is so Yamamoto, right? We we say that they're not spending money, but to get to in the conversation with Yamamoto, you got to be willing to spend a, a lot of money. At, let's say at least two hundred million dollars. You got like obviously end up well over three, but you got to be able to spend well. So you you know you have that money for the right guy. Mm-hmm. So that's the part where you ha- always have to come back to and. And they were asked, like, how, you know, how much or how close, how much did you offer for Yamamoto? He's like, not enough. Well, <laughs> someone phrased it to me this way, um, which is, it's like going to a club. You go to the club and you get in the door, you pay to get in the door, you pay to get the the, the initial bottle of champagne. That's cool. You know, you've paid to get into the the sort of behind the ropes. But do you really want to get in the back room? You know, that's what the cost is. And and I'm just talking about the regular club. It doesn't have to be any CDs club. But the, you, you, you have to pay to get to the VIP, the VIP section. That's what you have to do. Were the Red Sox willing to get into the VIP, VIP section? My guess is they weren't. So. Yeah. And do you think a lot of that has to do, you know, I brought up, you know, who knows, maybe a sale of the team, or do you think it has to do with the other things going on around Femway? There looks like they're investing, you know, close to a, a billion to a billion and a half dollars to improve the Femway area. You know, I mean, there's been talks over the past year of them looking for more partners when it comes to investments. There's been talks about, you know, adding in a basketball team, right? They're trying to expand. Do you, do you feel like it probably simply has more to do with that and john henry you know ownership as well looking to keep the portfolio strong yeah i I, it's i always it's sort of like the liverpool conversation right i always cringe at that oh i think a lot of it comes out of different buckets but the fenway thing's interesting because again the fenway experience that comment the fenway experience this is gonna what we're gonna prioritize this is what we're gonna invest in um so i'm not gonna say no i mean so i it's there is come back to it. There, there's a reason why they've had this adjustment in the way that they're spent. There has to be a reason for it. Yeah. And we can say the bottom line, but at the same time, you just made the point. They're paying a crap load of money to to build up around there. So it's yeah, that's that's a tough one. It's it's uh I I, I think that <laughs> they have <laughs> Listen, I mean, they they have money. They have money. To, I'll come back to it. They they were ready to spend on Yamamoto. But the question that we have to ask ourselves with the Boston Red Sox is that do they, do they just view this current, their current lot in life on the field and say, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, what's left over in the free agent market, the trades, what we have to give up, it's just simply not worth it. Or is it, well, you know what? Money's tight. We can't do what we really want to do. Are they able to do what they really want to do? That's the question. Yeah. And my answer to always, you know, when you're looking at a whole bunch of different reasons, probably always ends up being somewhere in the middle, right? Probably ends up being maybe a balance of everything, right? So, but Jim, I'll ask you this. Are my Red Sox making the playoffs this year? Not right now. Rob, what do you think, man? (laughs) Not right now. Are they, do wow. you think they could? Do you think they could compete? What, what do you yeah. think? Compete? I mean, yes. Yeah. Playoffs? I don't see it. Last week of September in the wild card hunt. You think they're there? I, I think they can compete. 
And and when we're talking about their approach, and again, this is nobody wants to hear this now. All of this, all of this, it means nothing because yeah, they, you know, they can compete. They have a, they still the payrolls two hundred million dollars, whatever it is. They can compete. All of this comes down to the trade deadline. All of it. It's it's yeah. It's Craig Breslow's approach, money, and and Mike Hazen told me you know, before the playoffs. And I love this. He said, I went into this year and I made a vow to myself that if we were close, I was going to go for it at the trade deadline. I was going to do whatever I could to get those players, which is one of the reasons I think Haim isn't here anymore. Like, so how is Craig Breslow, if they are in it at all, which almost every team's in it now, right? This is how it is. But if they are in it at all, are they going to do what the Diamondbacks did? Are they going to go for it and get uncomfortable? Because if they don't, that's the ultimate sad trombone. It is. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, in other words, wait uh, five, six months. They, they will definitely be good enough at the trade deadline to consider making moves. That is a, a 100%. I think all those American League East teams will be lingering at the trade deadline. But – when I think about the playoffs, I'm already marking a spot for the Orioles and the Yankees. I'm marking a spot for a central team, right? You're going to have your division winner. And then I'm marking two spots for the West, Astros and Rangers. So that means I got one left. And that one is going to be the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Mariners, a upstart central team that competes uh, at the same level. So there's really one spot in my mind that Boston's fighting for. So it will, like you said, Rob, the deadline. If they go out there and they're one of those five teams scrapping for that that available wild card spot, in my mind, then maybe they do. The, the trade deadline is going to be amazing no. because Corbin Burns might be available. Dylan Cease could be available. Pete Alonzo might be av- available. The trade deadline is going to be amazing. Yeah, and... and- so the the wild card of the wild card yeah. is the race. Like yeah. So every year we talk about this the race are going to be bad. And and every year they aren't. But this is the ultimate test, right? And I think really was the reason why they fell short in the playoffs was because Wander Franco is allegedly a scumbag, right? So we have to say allegedly yeah. Uh, so, so, but he's not playing. And mm-hmm. take a, aside who Wander Franco is as a player that really hurt them. Yeah. Offensively, defensively, it really hurt them. And then you're taking out one of the best pitchers in the American League, Shane McClanahan. And then you're taking out Tyler Glass now. You know, so yeah, every year we say this about the Rays. And, and by the way, People forget they were saying about the Rays heading into last season, and they got off to that crazy start. Mm-hmm. It's it's so, but so again, like the Rays are the wild card to the wild card. They, it's that's the team where we can't figure. And I would love to say the Blue Jays too. I mean, I still think they're one of the most talented teams, right? But they don't. There's something missing there. There is. Yep. All righty. Well, Rob, we want to say thank you so much uh, Mm -hmm. for coming out here today. Uh, Absolute pleasure to get you on the show. Uh, Tell the audience what's going on. What are you doing? What do you got cooking up in the near future? Uh, Just every day at baseball or at BB isn't boring. Uh, Producer Evan, you guys know him, does excellent job on the socials. And every day we get the podcast coming out. We have – so this week we've had on Billy Wagner. Um, to, he was really good talking about his Hall of Fame, being nervous about that. Uh, had on um, Charlie Culberson, which I, I wanted to talk to for a while just because he's – I don't know if you saw it, guys saw He's becoming a pitcher. I always find that yeah. interesting. Um, and, and he was really, really, really good to talk about – how that evolution and and also what it means to him to get that opportunity to become a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one of our go-to guys, Rich Hill, talking about his uh, his plan for 2024, and then uh, Adam Jones, I think, is coming on hmm. um, for for Thursday. Yeah, so hmm. yeah, it never stops. It's 
it's a lot, guys, it's a lot easier when the season starts and it's yeah. a lot easier when teams do stuff, as you guys know. Um, so hopefully teams start doing stuff and then the season will start, then we'll be on yeah. our way. Indeed. Hope so. Hope so. Jim, any final thoughts for you before you, before we get out of here today? I just I love uh, having this conversation, having Rob on. If uh, anybody is out there has not found their way to Baseball Isn't Boring, found their way to the Barreled Up podcast on your podcast provider, subscribe to both if you're looking for good baseball conversation. I think these are two good places you're going to find it. Robbie, why don't you take us out? Yeah, everyone, uh, if you can, we are live here on YouTube. If you can, hit that like button on the way out. If you are listening to this in podcast format, please remember it, remember to download. It really does help us out. And if you can, if you like our faces enough, give us a five-star rating. Maybe leave a review as well. Um, but everyone, thank you so much for coming out today. It's been an absolute pleasure, Rob. Thank you again. And everyone, we'll talk to you next time. 